I'm Jamie O'Kane, CPA, small business advanced tax planning and compliance extraordinaire. And this is the Abundant Beans Podcast, the podcast that takes my love for learning what makes people tick while digging into the good, bad, and ugly of small business ownership. We strive to give you the insight that only those in the trenches of being and working with entrepreneurs can provide. Today, we're going to welcome to the podcast, Tom Seiko. Tom was born in Edison, New Jersey, and his parents relocated to Homosa? Homosasa? I don't know that. Homosasa, Florida. I've never seen Mm -hmm. that before. At a young age, he grew up participating in Boy Scouts, playing soccer for a decade. We were just talking about soccer. Learned to play the clarinet, alto sax, and graduated from the University of South Florida with a degree in finance. Yes. Um, I don't know if I know a lot of financial advisors with actual finance degrees. It's funny you bring that up because there aren't many. I was going to say. <laughs> and the ones that do, they usually go in the analyst background. Mm-hmm. Um, the financial knowledge that Tom has built up expands from income protection, debt pay repayment, business planning, and several other topics. Uh, we're going to get into the rest of the stuff, but Tom lives with his wife, Patricia, and their multi-poo, Theodore, and then there's a baby coming, which I'm, yes. we're all very excited about. Do, do you know the sex or the gender? Did you tell me what the sex was? We just found out Sunday. Oh, well, then you it, didn't because I haven't talked to you for like a week. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's, it's a baby girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're so fun. The girls are so fun. I know. I'm, I'm a little scared, but also super excited at the same time. <laughs> I, I, I think it's more for what my wife is going to do for the baby more than anything. So. <laughs> Babies are fun. They're just yeah. fun, period. My, um, my niece was just born two-ish weeks ago. I think I told you that last time we talked. Um, I haven't mm-hmm. seen her yet. Hopefully I can go over this week, but I was just, we're so excited to have another baby girl in the, in the family. I grew up with all boys. So anytime there's a girl, we're just like, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, during the past few years, education has become a large focus for Tom and he strives to educate himself around psychology, business, leadership, self-development, and communication. Welcome to the Thanks, podcast. Thanks, Jamie. I mean, I'm super stoked to be here today. Um, so you and I met like almost a year ago at that partners. Is that uh, right? Yeah. It was a, it, almost exactly a year from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there, I think the meetings this week, somebody was telling me and I was like, oh yeah, I missed that memo. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> yeah. They're doing all these cool mixology things. I think they're, they're trying to make That's it, awesome. bring in the internet to you in person and do mixing drinks. And they send all the ingredients all it seems pretty cool and my husband had a meeting like that um they had some like i don't know but they like sent it to, and i had to like sign for it and we started unpacking it and it was like they even sent us limes <laughs> yeah. and so cool, right? we thought that was really my son was like they even sent limes mom he was like so like befuddled by the fact that they needed to also send limes but we were like all right. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we met about a year ago at Vet Partners, my first Vet Partners meeting. Um, and yeah, we've been hanging out ever since. Um, kind of. Kind of. From, from afar. Yeah, via, via Zoom, because <laughs> Tom's in and Florida. <laughs> um, so tell us about uh, what was your first job? Wow, my first job. Actually, that was when I was 15. I started working as a, a cart bag boy on the weekends over at uh, our local grocery store called Winn-Dixie. I think they're called Southern Grocers or something like that now. And I used to work, I think, six six hours a weekend, going out there, pushing lots of carts, bagging groceries. Uh, and I know I actually stuck there for quite a long time until oh, I went really? to college. I actually was working my way up into management after a while. You said cart bag boy, and I envisioned golf. Yeah. No, like the people that go out there and grab all the grocery mm-hmm. carts in the lot mm-hmm. and then push them in. So now they have motorized things. So you can actually put all the carts and then push them in with a motor. I used to take like 20 of them at a time and physically push them. So, <laughs> but you know, when you're a young, young guy and everything pushing in it, I mean, no, whatever, not, right? you're invincible, right? Right. So give us the rundown on your career journey. Uh, well, it, I guess when I was back in. I've always been a big person in numbers. Mm-hmm. So that's been what's really drive me in the direction of where I, I have gone. So at first I want to do coding. That was a big part of my life at the time. I used to do websites, graphic design, mm-hmm. uh, built, used to code websites through uh, coding platforms. And I, I realized after a while, once I started school, I started doing computer science 
first semester of doing that, my buddy in college, he actually was doing engineering calculus and it was taking him almost every night, all night to do problems. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I found the next best thing was to, you know, I love finance and I was doing current, a lot of currency trading at the time. So like the dollar to the, the pound and all the other fun stuff. So I was trading while I was in college. And uh, once I actually graduated, I had the option of either being like a, a bank bank person, like what they call them, like a personal banker. Mm-hmm. And I had multiple different positions or a chance to be in the financial advising world. And um, I'm very happy that I didn't decide I had it. It was either between uh, Chase as a bank, personal banker, mm-hmm. which they actually rejected me, uh, or I started working as a, an advisor over at, uh, at my first company was called AXA Advisors mm-hmm. yeah, at that stuff. time. Yeah. So I, I worked in the teacher market at mm-hmm. that time. I had 26 schools I worked wow. in. I was putting in 78 hours a week, driving from school to school to school, hundred miles a day on my car, um, up early, home late. Did that for almost three years. And I got so tired of it. And I was just like, I, I can't take this anymore. I was like, I need something that more fulfills my, my life and my career. Mm-hmm. And I had a short stint when I was at some events, I met someone um, went to another company for a little brief period. And then I realized there was a lot of smoke and mirrors. They overpromise and underdelivered on what they're willing to provide me. Yeah. And then I found where I'm at now. And I think I'm actually just past my seventh or eighth, uh, eighth year anniversary. That's awesome. So it's, it's been, I, f- I found my home. I found where I needed to be. <laughs> so awesome. I love yeah. how you said engineering calculus, because that's what killed my engineering dreams and goals mm-hmm. as well. I mean, I, I love that stuff. I love, I took AP calculus I in high too. school. I did too. And then engineering <laughs> calculus killed me. <laughs> I was like, this is not the same. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you give me a, uh, an Excel spreadsheet right now, I oh, yeah. totally nerd out and Excel. I'll same. create formulas and like the trackers are insane that we use, mm-hmm. but engineering calculus, I'm like, where, what practical use am I ever going to use that in my life? <laughs> yeah. I thought I was going to be a chemical engineer. Oh yeah. Uh, and I looked around that first year after engineering calculus and went, nah, I'm out. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going, but I'm out. <laughs> um, it's, you don't have to be in engineering if you're good with math. Mm-mm. Like there's a bunch of other stuff you can do, right? You can be data driven. There's a bunch of other stuff that yeah. goes into being data driven. Um, so how did you get started um, providing services for the veterinary field? I mean, it's kind of a silly story. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes when I tell it, I'm like, I wonder if some people are impressed or not by it, uh, but I'll share it with it's you. It's honest and I sh- though, right? <laughs> and I share mine all the time. Well, when I got in the financial business, I really wanted to impact the community. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like just being in the financial advisory world and trying to just help one person after another, it's very hard to build a, a great career that way. Mm-hmm. And you usually see a lot of people that are in the business or focusing on a specific type of clientele or a certain group of people. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy for me to be able to help that community. If I know what their challenges are, the things that they go through, what mm-hmm. they're trying to strive for. Mm-hmm. And when I started where I'm at now, I was sitting in a training class and they give us a sheet called hot markets. They're like, Hey, you can help all of these industries. And I think CPAs were on there, attorneys, mm-hmm. uh, when it came to doctors and dentists. And I'm like, doctors, dentists, those people are constantly being, their doors are being knocked at. Um, it's mm-hmm. so saturated with advisors that are out there. And when I saw out of all of them, I noticed veterinarians were listed on there. And I was like, well, out of all of these on here, I feel like I have some kind of point of contention to where I can actually kind of get along with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, growing up, I was a huge animal lover. I still am. Mm-hmm. And I've had dogs, cats, birds, uh, everything, hamsters, mm-hmm. things like all those things you can think of. And I have a little multi-poo now, you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. And as we started... Yeah, as, as we started digging more into the veterinary community, we realized that there was there was a lack of actual concrete education mm-hmm. that was being provided for veterinarians around financial topics. Mm-hmm. And once we helped one person, it turned into another. And then it just sort of, I, I would say in 20, around 2018, 2019 is when it really started snowballing to where we're like, we want to have a national presence. It started turning into we're helping schools to uh, different types of, uh, corporations and organizations. So like we're, it just slowly started building on itself and here we are now. Yeah. I love it. Um, you know, my, my journey is kind of similar, (laughs) but really is it's a lack of 
you know, people that are, that do what we do, right? Like there's plenty of CPAs that, you know, do taxes for, um, for the veterinary field, but there's not that many doing, you know, pointed tax planning. Right. You know, well, the thing is with financial advising too, I think there's something to point out there is that so many people put us in the same, like when they look at one advisor to another, Mm -hmm. they always think that we do the same thing, Mm -hmm. especially if we can kind of regurgitate the same stuff Mm -hmm. and say the same thing during that meeting. They were like, how do I choose the person that I want to go after? Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, like it's all fingers pointing at investment returns and investing. Mm -hmm. And today it's so commoditized that, you know, you can go to your own online brokers and do all your own stuff. So like, what value am I really providing you as an advisor today? Yeah. And that's, I mean, you bring a valid point with accountants. It's like, there's so much more than trying to save money in taxes or trying to invest money and earn certain returns. It's more about the planning, mm-hmm. <laughs> the bigger it's picture of things. All about the planning, right? All about it. <laughs> uh, that's why you and I get along so well, because we're always just like growth and impact. And how do we, <laughs> you know, like, how do we move people forward? With I thought about getting industry? impact like tattooed on my arm. Right? Really? Some point, you know? It really is. You know, it is about you know, actually creating impact in the industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's what actually, actually kind of brought me as well is that, you know, I kind of understood, I did a lot of like talking to people who work in the industry and then, you know, and they were all just like the nicest, like coolest people. And, you know, they told me some of the stuff that veterinarians, you know, that they work with, you know, have a hard time on my end. And they're just like, you know, they just, have a hard time dealing with, you know, your pocket protector CPAs. And there's a ton of us, quite honestly, um, mm-hmm. and not us, them, because I'm not one of those, but it's just, they're just not personable enough um, to deal with. And then a lot of the time it is just tax returns. They're not getting the advice, you know, that pushes them forward. There's a lot of unfairness, I think, to accountants at times too, because you are pretty much in demand. Like people have to go and do their taxes every year. Mm-hmm. Someone doesn't have to invest money. Mm-hmm. They don't have to do other different things. And I feel like the part from an accountant, what, what happens a lot of the time is like, they come to you saying, Hey, how do I save money in taxes? Mm-hmm. And, you know, now you're in a position where you're like, well, how do I save money in taxes? And I feel like it makes the whole industry as a whole is putting themselves in that position to where, yeah. how do you break out of that shell? And I think you've done a great job of doing that. Yeah. And I think, you know, really the big thing is though, is that people are just like, oh, I just need my taxes done. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's not really what you need. I mean, nope. we do that, but that's not what you need. You know, that's what we kind of have to do. But that's, that's not what you need. Um, and even just put in our new website, you know, at, there's like an FAQ, do you just do tax returns? And I'm like, no, because that's not really what you need. <laughs> right. You know, like I've never met a practice owner who just needed tax returns. They just don't. They need more than that. They need advice. They need planning. They need all these other things, if we're going to help them move forward. Yep. Right. Um, awesome. So how, I think you answered, so you answered that one. So what are some of the unique challenges um, that generarians face in their financial lives? When you break it in, there's, there's really two categories mm-hmm. here. Of course, you've got the veterinarians that are graduating mm-hmm. and today it's becoming, it's a huge topic. I mean, it's, if you haven't heard about it, (laughs) you'll probably hear about it at some point, but student loans, it's, it's big, big issue. Many of them are coming out of school, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of loans. And it's like this, this nightmare that won't go away for them. And that's a a huge struggle. And I think it's more of just the mentality of how they approach everything. Cause it's always like, you can't control what's been done in the past. You can't control a lot of things in your life, but you can control the habits, the behaviors that you're creating within your life. Mm-hmm. And that should be the hugest point that most people focus on. So like on the associate part is getting your mind right around, Hey, how am I doing this? <laughs> and then the practice owner uh, is the other side of this. And many of them don't really have a, they get into business. Not, sometimes maybe they're not a good business person. Maybe they shouldn't be in business mm-hmm. or they get in business and they don't know how they're going to get out of business. And every dollar that they keep taking, they keep just putting it back in the business, keeping absorbent amounts of cash in the business. And they never focus on their personal plan. How are they coordinating things together? Mm-hmm. So their plan eventually is to, I'm going to live out my entire career and then I'm going to just sell my business and that's going to fund my retirement. And that's where a lot of people are sadly mistaken. I mean, in today's environment, there are a lot of people coming around paying absorbent amounts of cash well beyond what 
businesses are worth because there's a, it's a hot market right now. Like veterinary practices are a hot commodity. Mm-hmm. However, like in five years, 10 years from now, I mean, is this still going to be the same way? But then like, are you going to be able to keep the same lifestyle as you're getting throughout retirement? And those are the two biggest challenges, like, you know, student loans and then even student mm-hmm. loans trying to be a practice owner. Right. Because you, you're in student loan debt and then you go get in bank debt to start a practice. Yep. So we have, and the, com- we have both of those things. Well, the interesting statistic around this too, is that veterinary practice actually have the lowest default rate out of all businesses. Out they do. There. It's like, what was it like 0.8% or like, it was like under like 5% last I it's, looked. It's something it's, it's incredibly like, it it's like a speck of dirt on the ground. It's so small. And the lenders want you to start a veterinary practice because they like to lend you money. Yeah. I mean, you can have a half a million dollars of student loans. They don't care. We'll mm-hmm. give you 700,000 bucks to go. They actually, you prefer, know. actually prefer that you do because yeah. then you have, you know, you have good debt, debt ratios. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say those are some of the, the, the biggest things just to kind of make it simple here that some of them are struggling with. Yeah. Um, and we can talk about, I mean, we might as well just hop in, but you know, when we're looking at the sale of a practice, you know, we're only looking at multiples of what one, 1.5 of revenues in a year. Uh, Maybe one to two. I've seen different ranges, but I usually focus on a little different. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you know the terminology EBITDA, yeah, earnings before yeah. interest taxes, depreciation, yeah. and amortization, and then our profits. Sometimes we talk multiples too, but yeah, most. I mean, most of the time, I'm I, from the conversations we have. It's usually based off of profits. Mm-hmm. It's not based off a of top line because they mm-hmm. want to make sure the business is profitable. Mm-hmm. Because if it is, is concentrated on that. But I mean, if we were to look at profits, I mean, we can try to translate some of these numbers here, but. You know, if it's an uh, insider internal sale to another doctor, mm-hmm. it's usually between three to five times, depending on what kind of value is there. Uh, when it comes to selling to an outsider, mm-hmm. typically you would see the range between five to maybe eight times multiple, but of now EBITDA? in today's of EBITDA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if they do $200,000, five times, you know, 200,000 is a million bucks, eight times 200,000 is $1.6 million, not including real estate or anything else that they have. Mm-hmm. But then like there's multiples I've seen today, 12, 15, 17. Um, if you're a specialty practice, um, or you multiple market. doctors. Oh yeah. I mean, that's all day long. People are cashing out like left and right. But if you're a, if you are a solo doctor practice, I think this is the biggest struggle, especially there's several mm-hmm. we work with. They want to retire. Veterinarians are hard to find right now or to keep at a practice. Mm-hmm. So then if they want to sell to a consolidator, how do they go about doing that? Uh, but if they also want to keep the, env- the culture and the environment and sell it to that other doctor, mm-hmm. sometimes the planning that they have done on, on the flip side, that personal plan hasn't, isn't very solid. So they have to go the route of selling it to the other person because they need more money. Mm-hmm. So like, that's where they're at. It's a tough place to be in. I think, I mean, just if you think about the numbers though, it's a tough place to be in, to know that you grew a business for 10 years and you're going to get maybe two three, four years of revenues and that's it. <laughs> yeah. And your sale, right? Is it your, you know, like, is that your retirement plan? <laughs> you it know, it could be most. part of it. Um, but I just think people don't understand that on the back end, you know, we're really not looking at, you know, huge amounts of really. Well, the, the insane thing about that too is like, you know, you've got these practice owners or business owners, they like to funnel a lot of personal expenses through the business and they don't account for that. Hmm? Don't get me started, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you think of it from a lifestyle standpoint, like, oh, I don't have that much in expenses, but then when they actually sell the business and they realize, oh man, I was actually funneling $50,000 a year through the business that I wasn't really counting for before. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, now it's like a wake up call. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, now I have all this money too. And it's like, what do I do with it to create income from it. Mm-hmm. And many of them are just sitting here with a bucket of cash. And then they're worried about all the taxes they have to pay now on capital gains on the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the back end planning is, you know, yeah, they wait their whole career and that is their plan. And then the last, I've had a conversation with a couple of people recently, like I cashed out now I have a big check to the IRS and I haven't planned for it. And it seems like I'm just bleeding cash, like more and more money just keeps getting sucked away. And it's like this part of the sale. <laughs> and they didn't structure the sale. Yes. Like you, <laughs> we can structure sales for less taxes. Mm-hmm. That's the fun stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they don't like it's just they don't think about that well and the other thing is is if you're funneling all of these expenses through the business you're going to have larger capital gains because you took out the profits and personal expenses generally yeah. if we're accounting for it properly yeah so they're going to well, have more gains it the thing is with all of it too it's just at the end of the day when you when you pay when you make big boy money mm-hmm. you're going to pay, pay big boy taxes i mean mm-hmm. it's just part of the equation yep and then it's like this whole conception of like, do I take the money and do something else with it to get tax write-offs? And I know this is part of your world of things, but then it's like, you know, if I give up money today to get a write-off mm-hmm. for now, is it going to really help me out in the future? And mm-hmm. what's the opportunity of money that I'm giving up by doing that? So, you know, even if you do sell your business and you owe like half a million dollars of taxes, like, I mean, it's it's part of the story of everything. And of course you want to pay your fair share. Mm-hmm. But why does it matter so much? Well, it probably matters a lot because I don't have enough to produce my lifestyle in retirement. Mm-hmm. That's ultimately what the problem is. Like that's where I'm worried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to make sure I can I can live the way I want to live. Like, right. can I? So. Yeah, and I mean, I always say, you know, buying things to reduce your taxes um, without a purpose is ridiculous. Is just lazy tax planning, right? Why would mm-hmm. I spend a hundred percent for a twenty percent deduction? And I just lost 80%, right? Yep. So properly planning and doing entity planning and things like that for where you want to go so we can save you those actual taxes without you having to pay money to save. Like, why would you pay a dollar to save 20 cents? It never makes any sense to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I'll, every year, at the end of every year, should I buy another car? do you need another car <laughs> well no but i get the tax write-off for what why mm-hmm. Would <laughs> you the tax keep your dollars <laughs> <laughs> well it's the it's the same like on the flip side here is you now even in your world like a lot of accountants that do want to save money help people save money in taxes they will say hey you need to go set up a 401k and then you need to max it out mm-hmm. and go then buy like some the, equipment go buy some equipment and, but the whole equation here though, is like, if I put just even some example, if I put money into a 401k today, mm-hmm. is there really a tax savings? And that really is going to transpire over time mm-hmm. because if I put money away today and then later on down the road, I find out that my taxes are higher because mm-hmm. tax rates have changed. I'm making more money because of my savings habits, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you could actually be taking your money back out at a higher tax rate and doing reverse tax planning. Right. <laughs> So then it's like, you're putting money in here with the idea of like, I'm saving money today, mm-hmm. but then hopes in the future that you're going to pay and take it out and you're going to pay less. But if, if you are planning properly, I mean, I will say all of our clients when we work with them, they usually have the same amount or more income <laughs> in retirement because mm-hmm. we show them how to structure things in a proper way to do it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a balance of the pre-tax and post-tax. It's a balance, post-tax, mm-hmm. pre-tax, tax-free, tax mm-hmm. advantage, that type of stuff. Like all of it should be mm-hmm. balanced. I think you put it perfectly. Yeah. And I always ask people, well, what is your, you know, okay. So you want to do a 401k, but what are you doing Mm post-tax, you know, or what are you doing tax-free? Yep. You know, are we maxing our HSAs? Are we maxing our ROTS? Are we maxing all these things that don't get taxed later? Yep. You know, we got to work on those first. And I'm sure you guys do the same thing. And it's just so important that we're, it's a whole holistic picture instead of just like, I'm going to save a dollar today and mm-hmm. hopefully not be taxed later, but we're looking at the lowest tax rates we've ever had in this country today. Yeah. Your odds that it's going to be like this next year or the next year or 20,000 years from now is just low. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, it you and I could talk about this all day. <laughs> oh, we could. I mean, I, I, these are topics I love to talk yeah. about. So if anyone well, who's listening wants to talk about this yeah. stuff too, like reach well, out. <laughs> and I think, and I always say I know enough about financial advising to be dangerous. This is why I'm a good tax planner, right? Yep. Because I'm like, but what are you doing pre-tax or what's post-tax or what's important right now, right? Mm-hmm. Is, your, is the dollars that, that you have in your business important today because you have a plan for them? Or do you want to go put them in a sub IRA? I was actually working with my mentor, one of my mentors, and he's working with a real estate guy. And the real estate guy wants to go buy more real estate, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, I'm going to have him put money in a SEP IRA. And I'm like, why would you have him put money in a SEP IRA that he can't get to? He wants to go buy properties. 
that's not going to work. So we need to know what the goals are too. Otherwise, what are we, we're not helping people. Right. Right. Well, and I always like to ask business owners too. And I say, how are you using your business to build up your personal wealth outside of your business? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't have a strategy or structure on how they're doing it. Mm -hmm. They pay themselves. Maybe they take some distributions, but I will tell you, no matter how much money we make, I say that we have a lifestyle creep Mm -hmm. and the more money we make, the more things we buy, more luxuries that we want to have. And, uh, you know, it's, I will tell you all day long. It's like, if you can create a good balance, even between saving money outside of the business, Mm -hmm. no matter where the, where it's going, like Mm -hmm. you're still going to be a lot more successful in the end, other Mm -hmm. than just to keep reinvesting, unless you're like one of those serial entrepreneurs who keeps buying business after business after business, but you are like that small percentage of people that actually exist out there that do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, usually it's one business. Yes. Maybe two. Right. Um, I can't tell you how many business owners I see just drain the accounts every year. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, what are we yeah. doing? And what'd they go do with it? They go into go buy a fancy car, a new house. You know, sometimes they just won't let me know. So, you know, I try to ask, Oh boy. <laughs> but, but they think I'm going to be like the budget hammer. And I'm always just like, I don't care what you spend your money on. Like, I really no. don't care. I'm just trying to look for more deductions for you and or help you figure out what you want long-term because then I can help you see the holes, you know, in your plan, right? I don't care. And it even says on the new website, we don't care if you like fancy, like buy your cat thousand dollar cat food. Like we don't, I don't care. I have no judgments about any of that. I don't care, but this is how we help you and help you see and help see what you value, right? Right. Because you pay for what you value. Um, and going like having one of our, the things I ask people to do before we tax plan with them is I ask them to put in their goals and rank them for me. And I ask them to put together like, or just to kind of give me an estimate on their actual like monthly budget. Cool. Because that helps me understand what they value. And that helps me understand where they're going long-term as right. well. And what's to save. Well, the, the biggest thing is you're hitting on a great point here because you know, a lot of advice, even from the advisory world, like mm-hmm. I said earlier, go focuses a lot on investments and returns, mm-hmm. but most people are more concerned about their cash flow mm-hmm. and being able to prioritize things and having coordination is the mm-hmm. biggest part of it. A lot of times people are not sure how to coordinate to spend it, protect themselves, save money. Those are all factors that people are always struggling with. And, mm-hmm. uh, those, those, if you're doing that yourself, like that's fantastic. I know we focus on that heavily because- yeah. Without cash flow, you got nothing. Like- yeah. Well, and that's what I, and I just want to know because then it just helps me with like, I mean, I don't do financial planning. Again, I know enough to be dangerous. Right. I do make suggestions based on what I know mm-hmm. about their tax situation, where they want to go long term. You know, if they're telling me I want, you know, I want to go invest in businesses and things like that, then we're looking at different vehicles. Then I just want to put every dollar away as I possibly can so I can retire in 10 years. You know, those look mm-hmm. like different things. Um, and I make suggestions based on that. And then I send them to their financial advisor to help them come up with a plan for that. Perfect. <laughs> and I say, maybe you need to ask about this, that, and the other thing. And they're like, oh, I didn't even know those were options. And I'm like, great. I'll go talk to your financial advisor because I believe in a team of advisors because I can only work within my scope. You can only work with, within your scope, right? Mm-hmm. We all work together and we all know where the client wants to go. Then they have a better chance of getting there. I do. I think it's scary too, that you're, you're having to tell people to go back to their advisor and say, Hey, can you do this stuff? Cause I definitely think most advisors should be already talking mm-hmm. with them about that. And then saying, mm-hmm. Hey, Jamie, I need you to help me out here as well, because you're doing their taxes. Yeah. Uh, keep them straight of what they need to be doing. Cause I need you as a more of a backing backup mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> well, and I think a lot of so. the time tax people really just are reactive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Rarely does a tax person say, oh, well, you know, we've done this planning for your future. Right. You want to do X, Y, and Z. Do you have a financial advisor? Because I don't think I've ever talked to that person. Right. Okay. Well, then let's A, find you one or B, let's get on a call with them. Because mm-hmm. you told me these are your goals. Here's what I can help you with. But we also need your other team members. Right. Um, and most accounts just don't work that way. They're just busy doing tax returns and that's fine. That's what they do. But, uh, you yeah. know, we kind of started talking about like that we're not all the same, Yep. you know, 
And I always say accountants have a, have a PR problem. And I think that's very true for financial advisors as well. We're not all the same people. We're not all robots. We don't all do the same thing for our clients. Um, so finding a good fit is really super important as well. The biggest advantage you have is that people need to file their taxes. <laughs> But I don't want to just do that, though. I want right. to plan first. So if you're like, I want to do tax returns, and I'm like, no, sorry, let's yeah. do a plan first. Because I filing taxes is the last thing that should happen. Mm-hmm. You should have already planned your tax situation, know what is supposed to happen with your taxes, have implemented things to make it better, and then the tax returns are just the compliance. So true. Mm-hmm. It's not the beginning of a relationship. It's the last step. Um, at least in our process, because filing tax returns is just not fun. There's mm-hmm. no there's no value there. Other than, yeah, we get it right, but they expect everybody to get it right. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, you and you and I have very, very similar crossovers like mm-hmm. you with the taxes, me with investment returns, mm-hmm. like people come to me asking me for investment returns. And I'm just like, you're trying to compare me to another person with investment returns, like good luck. I mean, that's not where the value is going to come from. And I know it's just conventional money managing is a big thing that just, it's kind of going to the wayside and there's so many different methodologies to investing money. And Mm -hmm. when someone comes in and says, what kind of returns are you earning your investors? It's like, well, what's your plan? Like, Mm -hmm. what are you, how are you planning? Like, why are you investing in the first place? Yeah, I know people are like, well, I'm going to, you know, how much do you, how much does your tax returns cost? Yep. Well, that yeah, right. Depends <laughs> on a bunch of things, but also, why do you need tax returns? Mm-hmm. What do you What do you got going on? Oh, okay. Well, can I look at them? Oh, okay. Well, we're leaving money on the table. Did you know that? Yeah. Oh no, you could use that twenty grand. Good to know. Sixty mm-hmm. grand. I saved a client two hundred fifty grand this last year. Very that nice. was my favorite one so far. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like we can do these things and it feeds into their long-term goals as well. Right. You should get a badge for that. That's awesome. I know. I want a badge. They have to implement (laughs) it though. So we're going to talk about it. Oh, okay. So step one, discuss great strategy. Step two, implementation. That's always Mm -hmm. that. You got to implement. Oh gosh. Hopefully they do it. Yeah. I I, I need to, I need to follow up with them, but um, we have a meeting here soon to make sure that the implementation is happening and that the goals are the same because sometimes stuff changes later, but we'll see. Of course. Um, we went totally down the rabbit hole. I'm not surprised though. I don't know why I prepped for this. I think you and I would have just been fine without prep. Yeah. We can talk about whatever you want. No, I love it. So what have been some of the biggest impacts you have seen, um, on practices with the pandemic? The biggest impact? Mm Mm-hmm. Like success or mm-hmm. failures or yeah, I love. Both? I mean both. I, I mean I I don't I haven't personally I haven't seen any any failures. Like every person that I know who's a veterinary practice owner is kicking butt and taking names. Like Ours that's too. all I can say. Ours too. Uh, yeah, the the the, the sh- biggest struggle that they're running into is they can't find enough help, mm-hmm. and many of them are literally like not sleeping working extended hours. I got one guy who sleeps at his practice all the time because he does emergency stuff and it's, it's tough and he's wanting to retire soon. And, uh, you know, it's one of the biggest challenges here. It's like, that is the part I've snow from the last year. And I'm, I'm interested to see if it continues on because mm-hmm. people were not bringing in their pets for a little while due to the factor of, you know, mm-hmm businesses being shut down, people being afraid to go out. Mm. And now all of a sudden it's like, there's this huge influx and people were having like the best months of their entire business in the matter of like June, July, August of 2020. So crazy. And yeah. And then, you know, I, I would say overall veterinary practices are, are doing great. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially if they're planning properly. I've, I have some that have hired another veterinarian, two veterinarians. Mm-hmm. Uh, biggest part is making sure now keeping the consistent results, keep growing, making mm-hmm. sure they're building up their personal wealth. Those yeah. are big factors at all. Um, yeah. I mean, here in Colorado, the shelters, the animal shelters are pretty much empty. They have been like empty. I hope they stay that way. <laughs> it's been so crazy. I mean, yeah. I mean, we adopted during this. Um, yeah. What'd you adopt? We adopted a kitty. We adopted a kitty cat. Her name oh, is yeah? Jinx. Mm-hmm. She's advanced level cat. 
and she's oh, yeah? about i think we're about 20 percent feral now she came to us about 60 percent feral so it's been oh, a journey wow. um i found her in my spot on the bed last night um so she's like curling up in my places now so um you know we're not allowed to touch her yet so we'll get there <laughs> but she's laying in your spots yeah she'll lay in my spot she hangs out here in the office cool so, um, is, she, is she hiding in the in the bookcase behind you right now no she actually <laughs> lives in the there's a tree right here a cat tree we got her for christmas and so she hangs cool. out in the we call it the crow's nest up at the yeah. top here um it's like this thing is like seven feet tall um and so she likes to hang out up there most of the day um so yeah she's she's an advanced level we're rookies we don't know we've never had cats before so we're we're learning um (laughs) we thought we lost her a couple times but no she just found some very like ninja places to hide yeah which is why very very prissy they can be very like temperamental about what they want and what they don't want and we're not not allowed to touch Okay. Yeah. I, well, I remember my, like, even when I had my cat growing up, the, the cat would come up to me. I would start petting her. She'd be sitting with me. And then like, after a while, she just, I want to leave now. And then she just leaves. And like, I'm just like, really? Like, that's how you play me right now. Like, you're just going to come on me, pet you a little bit. And then you leave me. And then when you try to pick her up, she just kind of like, no, Mm-mm. you got to let me come to you first. Yeah. I need, <laughs> yeah, I will give you consent and then maybe we'll play that game. Once they come over to you and start purring and rub it against you and everything else, then then you got your in. But for right now, no. Leave me alone. Yeah, she's honestly the easiest animal I've ever had. That's cool. Because she's just like litter box food. Litter box. Like, and then we just like stare and blink at her every once in a while, and that's pretty much all she needs. Um, but yeah, she's she's pretty funny. She makes that's me cool. laugh. She makes me laugh a lot. Congrats. Oh my gosh, sorry about that. Was that my computer? Um, okay, so Let's do your next question. So I do have more exit planning questions um, for you. So you're a certified exit planner. What is that? Um, and what do, what do you do? What does that do? How do you how do you do that? Well, so that's an awesome question to ask. And you know, being focused a lot on business owners, a lot of times exit planning gets this conception of like I have to be ready to exit my business, mm-hmm. and exiting doesn't necessarily mean that like i have to be ready to go tomorrow Mm -hmm. exit planning i would focus is more the emphasis on planning less on exit Mm -hmm. and whenever you're a business owner if you're getting into business or you're just starting one or going throughout your career you should always have a plan on how you're going to exit and the point of the certified exit planner certification is that the cexp is that it's designed to be able to be more of like a guide or a coach to help be able to facilitate different steps that should be taken to be able to do triage in a way. So I can prioritize things that need to be done first Mm -hmm. to make sure that I'm doing things that I'm going to get the best results at the end. So for instance, you know, if I start my business and I'm always taking my money and reinvesting it back into my business and never building a strategy to build wealth outside of my business, what, what is that? How is that helping me? Mm -hmm. If I have employees that are in my business, how am I defining the difference between rewarding, uh, recruiting, retaining them? When I'm working with attorneys, being able to make sure I have the right entity structure set up. I have accountants that are guiding me to make sure that I'm not just filing my taxes, but they're helping me with tax planning. They're helping me more with projections. They're helping me more, maybe internal workings of my business, how to keep my margins within check. That's the fun stuff. That's absolutely the fun stuff. Making sure that there's uh, maybe a coach as well that could be in there just to help Mm -hmm. with some focus on the business. Uh, property and casualty agents, making sure things are protected by sell arrangements are set up in the business. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately it's like being an exit planner is helping you be able to clarify where you're trying to go with your business mm-hmm. and then aligning that with your personal plan and deciding like there's three doors you can step through. You either sell it to uh, someone in the business or mm-hmm. multiple people in the business. You sell it to a corporation or a consolidator or something like that, or you just keep your business until you die. Like those are the three options you have. Uh, most people, their options are chosen when they're ready to start retiring. And usually they don't have much of an option. And then their solution is they want to fire sale their business. They want to get out of it as soon as possible because they're burnt out and they're, they're going to no low it. Yep. They're ready to just get out. And we're helping guide them through those decisions along the way mm-hmm. to make sure they have the right people, the right types of protections or saving properly, the great good culture in place. 
And then as they go to exit, they're not just hiring a business broker or hiring someone to just try to sell it to a third party. Like we're actually helping them structure things in a proper way that they're getting the most money for their business. Um, they have a plan in place on the other side of it as they get out of their business so they mm -hmm. can actually retire at a good lifestyle. Um, that's all part of the exit planning process, mm -hmm. all of that. Yeah, um, I love that. And I think, you know, having that team of people, like, it's just so important because we all have the ability to help in those things. But a lot of the time people are just like, well, I have a broker and a lawyer. And it's just like, but are they properly structuring the sales so you don't have to pay? Like I looked at one and it was like, you could pay 250,000 in tax or you could pay 500,000 in tax right. for structuring the sale. And if you bought the business, there's some other stuff we have to do on this end to make sure it's not all recaptured, all that depreciation you, you already took as recaptured. Like there's ways to structure this stuff. So it's done in a way that you maybe get to keep more of those dollars. But if Absolutely. you just willy nilly sell everything, it's really hard for us to go back and do the planning. Mm -hmm. for that it's, sale. It's really tough. And I will say it's like, even along the way of, as we're working with people, it's amazing the conversations I have around, you know, what is your accountant actually doing for you? You know, how is, when's the last time you had, yeah, when's the last time you had your buy-sell arrangement reviewed? Mm -hmm. Some of them look at me and they're like, what buy-sell? I, I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, we did that. And then it's like, okay, did you fund it? Like, let us take a look at it. And we, we have actually a review that we do complimentary, no charge. Mm -hmm. We can have your buy-sell reviewed by our in-house counsel to make sure. I will tell you 10 out of 10 buy-sell arrangements have a problem with them. Mm -hmm. And they haven't been funded. They haven't been funded. And if they are funded, they're funded with some type of wonky donkey type coverage or whatever it is. And it's not the best that they could be doing in the plan. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's just a lot. Of, and then like people come to us and they're saying, well, I want to implement benefits for my business. I want a 401k. Mm -hmm. And I ask them, like, why do you want a 401k? Like, what does that do for you? I want to do health insurance. Okay. So how does it help you as a business owner and also mm -hmm. help your employees? Because it is a cost. It is something that you have to implement into your business mm -hmm. and then helping them clarify the difference between, am I looking to bring people in? Am I looking to reward people for short-term results? Am I looking to keep people around for the longer term? Like what's the goal mm -hmm. of all of that? And uh, it's, it's interesting as we have these conversations mm -hmm. along the way, uh, the amount of lack of you know, consideration that people have had, because I think it's just sometimes people are just not talking about it. Mm -hmm. And because of different people that are in their spheres, I always find it interesting. They have all these different advisors that are out there and they're all giving different advice to these people. And now mm -hmm. they're trying to like figure out how to put it all together. And then most of their plans become this accidental results of all these decisions over time. Right. So being that person, a quarterback, I mean, that's, that's where we shine. I mean, mm -hmm. we play that with every day with business owners and helping them. So I just love that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I love that. Um, but I even <laughs> ask people, so what just buy sell agreements? How, how, how are those going? Yeah. And they're like, oh, well we have one, but I don't think it's funded. You know, mm -hmm. like this is just all stuff like that is in the back of the business owner's mind, you know, what, whatever kind of practice it is, because I deal with all types of people and it's just stuff that's not the implementation doesn't happen right or the mm -hmm. execution doesn't always happen or we do part of it and not all of it and then something happens and oh well we didn't sign a permission agreement or we didn't fund said buy sell and now i have to go figure out how to fund it right because right. somebody wants out <laughs> yeah or you go to that's try to just, fund it yeah and you find out people are uninsurable oh yeah I've had that happen at least three times last year where three business partners, one of them's not insurable. Mm -hmm. So now you have to look at an alternative route and maybe you have to start, you know, if one of them passes away or becomes sick, like now you might have to have a sinking fund or have to have something else built up to mm -hmm. be able to absorb the cost of all this. And sometimes those things aren't really considered in these agreements, or if they are, they're very kind of plain vanilla written. Mm -hmm. So they're boilerplate. Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like I took the template online and then I, kind of just plugged and changed a couple of the words Popped our names in <laughs> yeah and it's sad because like i mean it's you know there's great there's great attorneys out there i will oh. tell you all day long there are great mm -hmm. ones mm -hmm. uh and it's it's you know putting other people's businesses and their futures at, at risk because of just trying to make a quick buck is not it's not the way that i operate like at all like i will put 150 175 percent of my effort into something to make sure people are getting everything that they need from me, mm -hmm. like everything that I can do to help them. So yeah. 
you know, we do the same over here. Um, you've, you've heard yeah. my S corp stuff, soapbox and all the other things like, yeah, there is no default entity, <laughs> you know, let's stop doing the thing that we think is easiest and start doing the thing that actually makes sense for the taxpayer. You got it. You know, that's just like, I'm just like, our, what is happening right now? <laughs> you know, um, so I just kind of want to explain by sell because if anybody's listening to this and like, what is a buy sell agreement? So a buy sell agreement is if you have a business with other people that are not married to you, which you may want to buy sell if you're married as well. Sometimes that depending on the state you're in, um, you have an agreement of how you're going to divorce. So I always say a partnership is marriage or, you know, being in business with other people is a marriage. Mm-hmm. A buy sell is, a, is, is basically a rules of engagement on the divorce. Yep. Um, so we're going to plan for the divorce before we get married um, because you are now attached and really married to this person and their spouses and to their families and all Perfectly the other people. And so what a buy sell does is it says, how is this divorce going to work? And then Tom was saying and it has to be funded. So generally they're funded through life insurance policies, right? Cross disability. Yeah, disability, cross life insurance policies or the business has the policies. There are a bunch of ways to kind of structure these. Um, but basically what that does is it just gives you the ability. So if your partner dies, then you're not ending up having to work with their wife. Generally, if we do the bicycle correctly, um, and the insurance will pay for their part of the business so that you can replace that person. Or if they want out, it's the rules and how you're going to buy each other out. Right. Yeah. If there's any type of disagreement or people want to retire or. Mm -hmm. There's, there's another one that exists too. It's called a unilateral buy-sell. Mm-hmm. So when there's only one business owner, you can actually create an agreement to basically have someone else buy your business from you. Oh, that's cool. That is not actually an owner right now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you can set that up and have like a competitor. Yeah. It's already established an agreement saying, hey, they're going to buy my business when I, if I pass away, if I become disabled. Um, that way there is a, a someone on the back end that grab it. Mm-hmm. And then it helps fund the implementation of those buy cells and the vehicles underneath them, right? They help fund that. So the person's just like, how am I going to handle all this or whatever? So they can go hire somebody to handle it, or they can hire a manager or whatever needs Mm -hmm. to happen. Um, So just having a buy sell agreement doesn't do anything unless it's properly done and properly funded. Absolutely. Um, I had a partnership of couple of years ago and they never signed the partnership agreement and they're like well per the partnership agreement we're doing x y and z and i'm like i'm out i don't know what's going on i don't do anything but the tax returns and in this case i really don't i really didn't but they're trying to drag me into it and i'm like you never signed the agreement i don't i go talk to your lawyers because i'm not your lawyer yeah i'm your accountant and i represent the business because that's who has engaged me the crazy thing is a lot of people don't actually keep a relationship with these attorneys. Mm-hmm. So they get someone and they write up a document and they're like, I haven't talked to this person in like 400 years. It's mm-hmm. been forever. Right. And, or they uh, like handed it to them and they never signed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They threw it in the drawer. It's still in the, it's still in the vanilla envelope that they gave. No, vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's in our pile. A little clamp on the back. Yeah. A little clamp on the back. No, totally. And it's just like, <laughs> what is going on? These things are so important fundamentally, but it just doesn't get done. You know, why are we, I don't know. And then I don't know if it's just cost to get this done correctly. I personally think it's the, the factor that people are unaware of the consequences of not doing it. Mm -hmm. And until they see firsthand someone experiencing it, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like with life insurances, for instance, you know, my friend passes away and I see the impact of their family. Mm-hmm. I should probably buy life insurance now. Mm-hmm. That's where it usually starts coming into play or, Hey, I saw this other business owner. They passed away and all these challenges and struggles they had. Mm-hmm. It's the awareness factor is a big part of it. So mm-hmm. imagine, I can't imagine dying and my spouse having to deal with my business. <laughs> Mine either. <laughs> she would have no idea. She's like, right. Hey, I hate finances. He would be like, um, (laughs) I'm going to just email everybody in your contacts and be like, she's gone. Sorry. Bye. (laughs) 
going to go shut down all these accounts because he has access to all of our passwords and stuff because he needs to just in case something happens. Right. But like, he wouldn't even know where to, you know, you have to have an exit plan. You need one. Very interesting. Um, well, we could do this all day. <laughs> all right, we'll do the last question. Um, before that, though, what is the easiest way for people to find you? The easiest way is one is you can actually visit our websites. We have two of them, mm -hmm. uh, Florida Veterinary Advisors. Mm -hmm. So if you want to Google us or flvetadvisors.com, go to our contact form, fill it out. Uh, you can also go to our other business entity. It's uh, burnettseco.com, B-U-R-N-E-T-T-S-E-E-K-O.com. Um, it's our other business entity that we have as well. And go fill out the contact form, reach out to us. Um, you can actually call me as well if you'd like to. My personal cell phone number is 813-434-0885. You can shoot me a text, give me a call. It'll go right to me. I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Tom is one of those random extroverts that likes to hand out his phone number. <laughs> it's, hey, it's, always, I always am just like. <laughs> it's all over my LinkedIn that. page. It's <laughs> all over my email signature. It's literally like tattooed on my forehead. So, uh you know, the worst case scenario is you start bombarding me. I'll just ignore it. Like, it's <laughs> that's the and it's it's a whole. I have two separate numbers too that I use, so it's no big deal. I know, but I always just the introverted <laughs> me is like, <laughs> no, please yeah. schedule the time. <laughs> I don't mind it. I mean, if if you don't want to call me, you don't want to text me. Please send us a message through the platform, and then we'll yes. have someone reach out to you on our team to no schedule time to talk. And we'll drop all that stuff in the in the description boxes. Yep. Um. Okay, Master Tom. What is the number one thing that practice owners or owners need to do today to max to maximize their investment in their practice? The biggest thing is, I would say, know your numbers. Mm know where money is going how much money are you making what are your margins are you spending more than you should be spending mm -hmm. that's i mean those that's the first place i would start because even if you go to sell your business to someone internally or sell it outside it's all going to come back to the numbers it is they're going to bring in people like me and be like here look at these numbers and i'll be like what Scrutinize is going on <laughs> here 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 and here <laughs> yeah and the, and to back that up i think this to kind of 1A as well is like, make sure you have a solid understanding of what your exit is. Mm -hmm. Like start planning for that. Cause if you're not, or you don't have an idea, definitely reach out. Cause we're happy to chat with you about it. Uh, but being able to make sure you're aligning your goals of your business with your personal plan and, you know, having solid financials is good. And then also having a way of like, how do I get out of this eventually? Mm -hmm. like, or at least knowing, knowing what your escape hatch options are. Yeah. Where's the, where's the emergency exit? How do I get mm -hmm. up? <laughs> yeah. Or like, do I want to sell? Who do I want to sell to? You know, like just knowing what you want to do on that back end is hugely helpful. You got it. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. Well, this has been awesome. I'm, I'm happy to be here with you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you learned something and found some useful information to apply to your business today, please consider giving us a thumbs up and a review. Until next week, be abundant.